the church is Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. My dear fellow saints, last week when I was visiting our homebound members, I asked them, where do you see darkness in our culture? And they said that they see darkness in how everything seems to be about politics or race or sex. They said that they see darkness in the divisiveness in our nation and the ever-present darkness of abortion. I asked them, how have you felt darkness in your life? And they said that they felt that darkness in their constant pain and consistent loneliness. They felt that pain when they've had the, the loss of a child or the loss of a spouse. One said that she feels that darkness with a child and a grandchild giving up their Christian faith. Well, friends, where do you see darkness in our culture? In yesterday's Thirsty podcast, we talked about how we're no longer living in an immoral culture in America. Instead, we're living in an amoral culture. The difference is that in an immoral culture, people know the difference between right and wrong. They just choose to do what's wrong. But in an amoral culture, they don't know the difference between right or wrong. So they just gleefully do whatever their sinful nature wants to do. They're without morals, amoral. They welcome in the darkness. And then they want us as Christians to not only accept their amoral behavior, they want us, they don't want us to tolerate it, they want us to accept it and promote it. And how have you experienced darkness in your life? And maybe you, like our homebound members, you have that consistent pain or constant loneliness. There's desperation or depression. Or maybe you felt the loss of the death of one of your family members or a close friend. Or maybe it's the breakup of your marriage or your family. The people who were living in the northern kingdom of Israel, they felt spiritual darkness. But this was a darkness that they brought on themselves because they continually consulted with mediums and spiritists. And then they constantly worshipped false gods like Baal, Asherah, Molech, and other deities. And so God allowed the mighty Assyrian Empire to move south and completely conquer the northern kingdom of Israel, and then deport the rest all over into their Assyrian empire. Then they also took people all over their empire and imported them into that northern region of the promised land. They took out all of the Jews and put in non-Jews, Gentiles. Yet into that darkness, God promised light. There will be no more gloom for the land that was in anguish, Isaiah prophesies. In former times, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will cause it to be glorious along the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned to a land that should never see the dawn again the Lord offered up the hope of light. To the two tribes that would feel the greatest oppression, 
the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, they would receive the greatest honor. That light would come 700 years later in the person of Jesus Christ. St. John begins his gospel by saying this, The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And where did Jesus do the bulk of his ministry? In the northern region of the Promised Land, in Galilee of the Gentiles. There was darkness in Israel. There is darkness in our culture. There's darkness in your life. That darkness is felt by the elderly people who feel the loneliness of their situation in the nursing home and assisted living centers. The darkness is felt by the parents as they lose a child to drugs or sex or to death. The darkness is felt by children who are living in broken homes. The darkness is felt by all of us as we live in a broken and desperate world. But God did not leave his world wrapped in darkness. He said, let there be light and the Light pushed against the darkness. Nor did God allow his children to continue to live in spiritual darkness because the darkness would not just dissipate on its own. God sent his son to step into the darkness. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But that spiritual darkness would not go away quietly. And so that darkness stirred up King Herod to try to slaughter the newborn baby Jesus when he killed all the newborn babies in Bethlehem. Throughout the days of his public ministry, that darkness stirred up oppression and persecution on Jesus during his public ministry. And finally, on the cross and in the sealed grave, it seemed as if the darkness had snuffed out the light of the world. But then three days later, Christ arose to gloriously shine the light of his resurrection victory over sin, Satan, death, and hell. Jesus was born in the darkness so that he could die in the darkness. That he was... Betrayed, arrested, denied in the darkness so that he might overcome the plague of darkness that brought about these injustices. The darkness of anger had filled up the Jewish religious leaders so that they handed over the Lord of life to be crucified. The darkness of fear filled up Pontius Pilate so that he handed over an innocent man to death. The darkness of unbelief filled the Roman soldiers so that they killed the Son of God. But Jesus endured all of that spiritual darkness so that by his innocent suffering and substitutionary death, he could pay the price for all of that fear and anger and unbelief. He could shine the light of salvation upon the very people who had put him to death. And then he was raised to life on Easter dawn so that he could shine that glorious resurrection new day upon all those who believe in him. 
But this light is not only meant for Galilee of the Gentiles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That's us. That's our community. That's our culture. And the Bible encourages, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. The darkness shaded Israel, and it has shadowed our culture, but that darkness was just as present in the 1920s. That was when plans were made to start a new mission church all the way to the edge of town in Racine. I want you to think about that, because it's hard to imagine that. On the other side of West Boulevard, that was just farm fields in the 1920s. In the 1920s, First Evan, its official name was the First German Evangelical Lutheran Church. They were still doing German services. And so there were members of their congregation that wanted to do mission work at the edge of town all the way two miles away to the English-speaking people of Racine. And so they appealed to the mission board of the Joint Synod of Wisconsin and other states. That was so long ago, it was before it was, became the Wisconsin Synod. And they decided to launch a new church in the mission field of Taylor Avenue. And so a storefront was rented at 1861 Taylor Avenue and converted into a chapel complete with pulpit, altar, pews, and a piano. And the opening service of the church was held on January 30th, 1927, in the, in Sunday evening. And since the church started during the epiphany season of the church year, and it was to do mission work to the English-speaking people of Racine, the official name of the church became the English Evangelical Lutheran Church of the Epiphany, or simply Epiphany Lutheran Church. Now, 90-plus years later, it doesn't seem like such a great idea to build a church in the middle of a block that looks like a big house, so no one can see it or recognize it as a church. But back then, they thought it was a really good idea to build a church in the middle of this brand new neighborhood and to make it specifically look like an English Tudor house so that it was inviting and friendly, looking just like the other homes that were going up around it. So this fledgling congregation appealed to the mission board for a, for a loan of $5,000 to be able to purchase five lots between Olive Street and Bates Street. On June 16, 1927, ground was broken for the new church. And at the time, because this was brand new development, there were no paved streets or sidewalks. And so when the cornerstone was laid on July 31st, the members of the new church had to walk here to celebrate over planks laid over the mud. The church was completed just a few months later on November 6th in 1927 at the cost of $16,000. The church was designed to fit 300 people. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know that we can probably comfortably seat 180 or squeeze in 200. So the people that back then must have felt more comfortable sitting closer together and, and been a lot skinnier too. 
The church stood ready to be dedicated to the service of the triune God for the purpose of proclaiming the light to the nations that had gathered here in West Racine. By God's grace, God's Christ's light of salvation has been shining from Epiphany Lutheran Church among the saints and citizens of Racine for over 90 years. And by that same grace, God's hope has gone out from new hope to the members and residents of Caledonia for over 40 years. Now, in talking with members of Epiphany and New Hope, I've heard plenty of people say, yeah, but it's always going to be Epiphany or New Hope to me. And that's fine. And that's good that we love our church because there are great events that have happened in the church, actions of faith, as we sang about in the hymn of the day. Baptisms confirmations, receiving the Lord's Supper, weddings, anniversaries, and even funerals. In our gospel lesson, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter excitedly announces for the group, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus commends him and says that on the rock of his confession of faith, he would build up his Christian church. And yes, it's hard to give up the names of Epiphany and New Hope, especially when there are only two New Hope Lutheran churches in the Wisconsin Synod, especially when there is only one Epiphany in the Wisconsin Synod, and there may only be one English Evangelical Lutheran Church of the Epiphany in the entire world. And yet, if we want a unique name, there are only two water of lives in the wells, one all the way in Las Vegas, and then us. But we need to remember, Epiphany and New Hope, water of life, they're just names. And the church buildings, as beautiful as they are, they're just buildings. A name and a building, it's not a church. Jesus said that the church is built upon him and his word. He is the foundation. You and I, the saints that have gone before us, the saints who have come after us, we are the holy Christian church, as we'll confess in the Apostles' Creed. And so as we stop using the name of Epiphany for our church, it's not like we're going to stop shining the light of Christ into our culture. As we stop using the name of New Hope for our church, it's not like we're going to stop giving people the hope of Christ in their hopeless situation. We're just changing things a little. Now we're going to be giving them water, the water of baptism poured over their heads, the water of life that is going into their ears and into their minds and hearts. So whether it is light or hope, or water, it's the same Jesus. And so whether it is epiphany or new hope or water of life, it is the same holy Christian church. By God's grace, you have seen a great light. By God's grace, you, have, you know the hope to which he has called you. By God's grace, you are able to drink freely from the springs of the water of life, by God's grace, you are a part of the Christian church where the gates of hell will not overpower it. And so today, 
we thank God for the many generations who have gone before us, who have seen the light shining in their darkness, in their culture, and in their personal lives through the past 90 plus years of Epiphany Lutheran Church. Today, we thank the Lord of the church for the many generations that have gone before us that have received new hope in their hopeless situation over the past 40 plus years from New Hope. And today, we pray that the Lord of the church will bless Water of Life Lutheran Church, one church on two campuses, with sharing the water of life of Jesus with many generations to come. Amen.